Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Greg Dyer, a former New South Wales Australian cricketer, playing six tests for Australia, 23 one-day internationals and 51 first-class matches for New South Wales. He was a member of the victorious 1987 World Cup final and captain of New South Wales. He's the current CEO of the Sydney Fish Market and former partner of KPMG. He's the president of the Australian Careers Association and a lover of all sports. And Andrew Yates, an Australian businessman and current CEO of KPMG Australia. Prior to his role as CEO, he was a managing partner of Audit, Assurance and Risk Consulting. He's a former first grade teammate of mine, sharing a new ball with me on numerous occasions, into the wind of course. Away from work, he's a keen golfer and lover of all sports. Let's get started. Welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Greg Dyer, a former New South Wales and Australian cricketer. Welcome, Greg. Thanks, Shane. Great to be here. Mate, thanks for coming. And Andrew Yates, an Australian businessman and current CEO of KPMG Australia. Welcome, Yatesy. Hi, Shane. Great to be here. Hey, Greg. Howdy. Now, um, so I'll start with you, Greg. So when you were at KPMG, you recruited Yatesy. So you're obviously a good judge of talent now the new CEO of KPMG Australia. Yes, a bit of a story about that. I used to do all of the recruiting for the firm for a couple of years, which was great fun. And, um, you know, I got this, um, I was doing a second interview with Andrew, I think, and, uh, and got the sheet of paper and it said, um, Andrew's a little slow on the uptake, but uh, but might be okay. <laughs> really? So I saw through all of that and, yeah. Uh, yeah, made the right decision, obviously. Well, what was he referring to there? He actually a bit slow on the uptake, you always. No, that's absolutely true. So when you, when you become a partner at KPMG, you get access to your staff file and all the stuff that's been right. said about you since you've joined the firm. And so I just <laughs> open up this file and there's this form and on across the front it says, although a little slow, Andrew's an excellent prospect. There you go. So you'd be like yeah. Trumpy looking in the X-Files once you got to the role. So yeah, is that true? So I appreciate Greg actually looking through that and uh, and recruiting me. Fair. So Yates, I want to ask you, because um, we go way, way back, mate, you were a, a, a groomsman at my wedding and, and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, we go back as, as good mates for many years. I want to ask you what's, what's tougher. Is it being CEO of a major corporate now or was it bowling into the wind, opening the bowling at Campbelltown under that 40 degree heat? <laughs> Uh, bowling into any wind in 40 degree heat was always difficult for me. Um, so, look, no, being the CEO of KPMG is a bit tougher than that. But I vivid memory of you, Shane, uh, our first game of the season at Campbelltown. And for some reason, you put me in at second slip. I don't know what I was doing in there. First ball of the season, you took the manly opening batsman's middle stump out. It was, yes. Third ball of the season, you took Michael Bevan's middle stump out. You got seven for 150. Yes, and I, I did. Was, and I was bowling at the other end. <laughs> Hey, GD, um, I want to ask you, because uh, you're now the, the CEO of the Sydney Fish Market, um, and Johnny Pearson says hello, by the way, from, from Sydney Market, so yeah. I know his old nickname, Dolly. Where does that come from? Dolly Dyer. Yeah. Um, so it um, was something that stuck for a while, yeah. And, and, and how, so I reckon the, the Sydney Fish Market is an iconic place in Sydney. What's happening there? There's been rumours about there's been developments. What, what can you fill us in on? So the New South Wales government is um, building a new fish market building for us on Blackwattle Bay. It'll be around about a $750 million development. So wow. it's going to be a proper building. Um, and we're hopefully moving in in a couple of years' time. It'll be extraordinary. It'll be um, iconic. It'll be a wonderful place. World, um, world attention will be paid to it. So it's a quite a, a very exciting project on the way. Do you find that a tough role? You must have um, many, I won't say bosses, but many people to report to being 
an affiliation or association in itself. People. It, it's a very interesting place. Yeah, yeah we have um, we're half owned by the the, the Catchers Trust, the the fishermen of New South Wales. Yes. Um, so there's 700 of those who own 50 percent of us, and right. the other 50 percent is owned by the uh, the guys who do all the trading on the floor. Uh, so the tenants and merchants. Um, so it's a really interesting dynamic, as sure. you might imagine. And, and Yatesy, you're. Um Oh, I must say, I'm very proud of what you've achieved in your in your business career, mate. Thank you, mate. From from where you've uh, going back from when, when, when we were 15, yeah, you're bowling in the wind at Campbelltown, as I said. But um, how did you ever get up? Like for me, as a I was a professional cricketer there at one stage, well, semi-professional. I think I put the semi in professional, but anyway. But um, but we we'd always go out on a Sunday night after after cricket. You had to go to work on Monday. How'd you how'd you achieve that? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure I was functioning at, at the best every Monday morning. But uh, now look, I've been I've had a great career from from the moment Greg recruited me, and and uh, you know people sort of look at you a bit funny when you say you've been in the same place for 33 years. But you know I've just been been so fortunate to find the career that I've had. Yeah, totally well, mate. Now, Greg, I want to talk about the 1987 World Cup, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about uh, that as a game itself. But for me, after Lily Chapel um, and Marsh retired in 1983, Cricket Australia went through a real tough period there. And that was the first real resurgence, I think, of the team to really get us back to the dominant team that we were through the 90s. What, what were your recollections of that time playing over in India and, and with that team and AB was there? What, what, what was the vibe like within so that? Captain by AB. And yeah. um, I, I think it's fair to say that it was the commence, commencement of that resurgence yep. because we, um, you know, I, I didn't play a lot of test match cricket, obviously, half a dozen, but I never played in a losing one. Um, I played, uh, you know, you nominated 23 one day as we won probably 20 of those, I reckon, and including the World Cup. And we went to the World Cup probably, you know, arguably probably seven out of eight mm. um, in terms of our prospects. And, and it just... We, we developed some momentum with some close wins in the early games and so forth, and uh, we, we got to the final and we just knew we were going to win. Uh, we played England in front of 105,000 people in, Cal- in Calcutta, um, and it was just the most extraordinary experience. But uh, there was a real momentum that built through that pro- program, and um, nobody expected us to get there. No, was Simo coach then? Simo was coach, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yep. And do you think, was he a... He was coached when I first came in the Aussie team in 95. He had a real hard edge towards him. But do you think he was a big part of that resurgence? So we won, uh, proudly, I will say, we won the World Cup on the back of being the best fielding side there. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and, um, you know, we just did that really, really well. And obviously, as a wicketkeeper, I was pl- proud to be playing a part in, in that aspect of, of our cricket. But Simo was just relentless in the way in which he drove the side to, to through the fielding drills and all that stuff. He was, he was really, really good. I would say the relationship between captain and coach, particularly yes. in the game of cricket, is super important. I agree. And, and AB and Simo, you know, they weren't the best of buddies, but they really worked together as a really good combo. It's funny you say that, because I've always said that um, AB, and he'd probably admit it too, when he first came on as captain, he wasn't the best captain, he became a very good captain. But the, the combination he had with Bob Simpson, that hard edge, really worked for AB. Then Mark Taylor took over, and Mark Taylor had 
he wanted to run the show, so he didn't really need a Bob Simpson. So he was happy to have a, a Jeff Marsh to put out the put out the cones <laughs> for trading. Probably a bit harsh on Jeff Marsh. And then and then after he had Steve Orr also run his own show, and Steve Orr wanted to take it to the next level. So we had Buchanan who did the sort of behind the scenes, more of the stats and that sort of stuff. Then Ricky Ponty took over, and, I, and Ricky is one of our greatest batsmen of all time. But you'd say arguably one of our poorest captains too. With the teams that he lost, he lost three Ashes series with some pretty good players, he probably needed a Bob Simpson. Arguably, as I say, I reckon yeah. it's the most important relationship in, a, yeah. in that team environment. And, um, you know, that's played out to this day with Paddy, um, you know, moving yes. forward with Andrew McDonald, you know, which I think is a, a really strong combination. I agree. So uh, totally agree. I think that's going to work a and treat. What was the celebrations like after winning the World Cup in India? <laughs> Great answer. Now, now we have the three of us have something also in common. I was lucky enough to be involved in two World Cups, and we and we won in nine, eight, 1999, I should say. And Yates, you were there with me. I'm looking for the point in common yes, here at the yes, moment. Well, so. well, well, the point in common is you were part of a big celebration. We won. I was those two famous games against South Africa. I think we were in Birmingham, and you came along as as my mate and free tickets, and we and we won that match. And you found yourself leading the Australian team into the nightclub. I think you looked around, you saw behind you, who'd you see? Yeah, well, that, that was one of the most amazing <laughs> days of my life. I mean, you, you, you gave me sort of players' tickets. Um, was it Edge Bass? Uh, yeah. I think it was, not it? Yeah. yeah, and was lucky enough to witness that was arguably the best one-day game in history, the tie between Australia and South Africa. So, great day of cricket. Go back to the hotel to meet you in the bar. Next thing, I'm in this black cab with you, Buff Lehman and Brendan Jolie, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, how am I sitting here? And then um, I think it was a walkabout bar, so it was full of Aussies and there was a little roped-off area near the bar which was just for players and apparently me. <laughs> so I'm in there with, with, uh, with you and the rest of the team and I remember sitting watching a screen and I was standing next to Paul Rifle and if you remember near the end of that game, he puts one over the yeah. crossbar for six and I sort of looked up at him, <laughs> didn't say anything. But then as you say, we moved to the nightclub and we had to go through the kitchen and for some reason I found myself at the front of the queue of players and I turned behind and there was... S War, M War, S Warn. I mean, yeah. I think I'm in the wrong place here, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have a good night. I think we, we celebrated the colour bottles of champagne. But yeah. um, let's take a quick break now and have a little bite to eat. We're here at the Harbour View Hotel, which is the top of the rocks here. So we're nestled right under the Harbour Bridge. It's a great pub venue um, with a great pub food. I'm going to have for lunch today. I'm going to have the chicken schnitzel. Fried with the parmesan crumb, uh, potato puree, gravy and herb butter. It looks amazing. I think Yatesy, of course, you'll you'll have the grain-fed uh, rump steak. Greg will probably have the same too. And I think we'll wash it down with an O'Brien beer. Might even get a little, little bottle of Chablis as well. It looks, looks really good. Let's get started. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies, and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. GD, um, I'm interested to ask you about your, your work you've done with the Australian Cricketers Association, which, which is a big role for people that don't know. That's effectively our players' union. Um, and I think they've done some wonderful things, both for, for men and particularly for women of late. 
Um, women's sport has come on leaps and bounds. I'm really proud of that, having two daughters. How have you found your time working with the Players Association? I've loved it. I'm really yep. passionate about it. It's a great organisation. We do some fabulous work. Um, and, you know, I think we've, um, you know, arguably driven a fair bit of the agenda for Australian cricket, particularly in terms of that gender um, e- equality thing. We developed a, a model which um, which provided them with um, an equality of pay model um, yep. at the last MOU. Um, but beyond that, you know, I'm really um, passionate about trying to provide... Uh, support for the past players. Uh, so we we call ourselves the representative of current, past and future. So yep. um, I, I think that's an important distinction. We, we want to make decisions and take positions in the game which are helpful for the future of the game, which don't damage the, the game. So I'm really passionate about the role. Yeah, and, and I mentioned it briefly, but um, the girls, the, the cricket team, they've just won the World Cup. They're... They, don't, they currently hold the Ashes. Uh, they're the T20 World Champions. They were so dominant. And, and the girls are just dominating. It's so good to watch. Extraordinary, yeah. yeah. Um, well, somebody was saying the other day we'd probably win with the second 11. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, that World Cup. You know, they're just such a great um, um, bond and uh, they're really doing some great things. It's good to see. It's really mm. inclusive. And I, I, I must say, actually, I read one of the reports from KPMG trying to mm-hmm. get up to speed, mate. I just look at the... <laughs> It's not my strong suit. <laughs> I slept well last night after eating that, but no, no good. But um, but inclusive is a big part of KPMG and what you're trying to achieve as CEO. Yeah, it's a huge huge part of my my gender. I mean, we we are a people business. We've got yep. ten thousand people, um, and so building an inclusive culture, which really is reflective of the society we live in, is a, is a is a really important part of that. Uh, just back on the cricket association, I'd like to I'd like to think KPMG had a small part in that. If you yes. recall, we were one of the very Early sponsors of that when uh, when Paul Marsh was uh, was he the initial CEO or Paul, uh, no it was Tim Tim May was the original one and Paul Marsh took over from him yeah yeah no it's great to see how well it's it's come on over the last twenty years yeah big time and and yes do you see um from from KPMG's perspective like moving forward where, where, where do you want to take is there a big difference between being a partner and now CEO what's what's the biggest difference there. Yeah, I mean, leading in a partnership is a funny thing too, because um, you know you, 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 it's about trying to bring people together and bring them bring them on. And, and actually, captaining a cricket team is not a bad sort of okay. um, uh, you know um, training ground. I, I remember some of the, the uh, teams I captained at Mossman and some of the uh, different personalities <laughs> that existed in that eleven. I'm sure I haven't got that many fruit cakes at the KPMG. <laughs> no, but, but so, but so lead, leading a partnership, it is different. You know, it's about bringing the partners yep. with you and bringing them on, and, and, and rather rather than sort of being directive in terms of what you do. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got a great organisation. We, we operate in a really competitive, competitive world, though. Um, so we've always got to keep pushing ourselves to, to get better and, and, and make it the best place to work. And what would you say from your cricketing days? What, what, were you, what were your biggest key lessons? Have you taken anything from your sporting days, apart from that, into into the business world? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's the ability to, to um, uh, sort of cope with the ups and downs. You okay. know, when, when you play sport, you have good days and you, you have a lot of bad days and you sort of find a way to work through the middle yep. and not, you know, people say, well, how, how have you sort of managed through 32 years? And, and basically my answer is that I, you know, don't celebrate the highs too much and don't sweat the lows too much and sort of try and find your way through the middle. And I think a sport, you know, sporting background gives that to you because, as I said, you have a lot of good days, yeah. but probably equally as many bad days, if yeah. not more in my, in my case. But um, That's actually yeah. a point, GD, for you. And um, I, I'm sure you never want to talk about this, but... Probably the downs where the catch, you know, you were crucified for, which I know you, you, you have more integrity than most people, right? And AB, I read up on it, AB said he was 100% sure you took that catch. Now, that's irrelevant now in your business life, but 
did that really affect you? Was that was that one of the drivers why you went into the to work for the Players Association? Was it? No, must it have been wasn't. tough to handle at the time. No, it was. Uh, it didn't motivate me to to be part of the ACA. I, okay. I, I'm part of the ACA because I love the game and I want to make a contribution to it. But um, look, uh, you know, I, I look back on that quite philosophically and say it was kind of the beginning of the end of me okay. in in cricket. And and thank God it was because I then got to the rest of my life. Um, gotcha. So um, you know I, I've um, yeah, quite philosophical about it. If I'd um, stayed in the Australian cricket team for another five years after that, maybe my business career wouldn't have been what sure. it was, right? Yeah. So, um, and I'm probably the last generation which is genuinely able to sort of do the two things at once. And you know KPMG were just fabulous to me back in the day. Uh, Best the uh, bless the poor buggers. They uh, when I said to them, you know, I'm a bit ambitious about my cricket. When I first joined at KPMG way back when, and they said, oh yeah, no, sure, Greg, that'll be fine, and you know, we'll look after you if that was to occur. Well, it occurred, and to their absolute credit, they really looked after me. And you know, I, I came back from the World Cup and and went to the office the next day. Um, you know, I was an employee of um, KPMG all the way through there, and they saw through the you know the absences and all of that stuff, and it was so it was brilliant. It's a really interesting point because if you look at, I was just saying the podcast I did last week with Kirk Pengilly um, and Mark Coyne, the the rugby league player, um, and Coyne's done really well in business. And I was asking about, did he have a plan B in sport? Like I, I was, I was, I went to university, and you were saying then that you were one of the last generation. I think you really are. Sportsmen now, because the the Players Association has progressed so well that they're earning enough money, but we all know that sports sporting careers are pretty short. It's a fine balance in between what do you do? Do you, do you just go wholeheartedly with your plan A at sport or do you try and do both and maybe not achieve either? So it's a real problem. And yeah. in many respects, you know, um, I, I worry for the girls at the moment. I worry for their, yes. our women cricketers because they're kind of in some respects back where we were back yes. in the day, right? They yeah. have to work really good point. part-time in order to support themselves, right, as they're playing what is really a pretty professional. You know, mm. they're not even semi-professional. They're, they're, they're asked to, uh, to basically take on all of the, the, the work programs that the men do. Um, so it, they're in that transition mode where it's quite gotcha. difficult and, and it's impacting them in, in various ways which we need to be really careful about. It's quite yeah. remarkable Greg was working full-time or you know, working yeah. for us and playing for Australia. Yeah. When I tell the story... Um, so do you to, think you're underachiever <laughs> cricket then? <laughs> <laughs> we both know the answer to that. But when I tell the story about how I, how I found my way into the firm and talked about the fact that I was, I was recruited by the current Australian wicketkeeper or, or yeah. Yeah, people can't work out how that was how that was possible. So it's a very different era, but to do them both, it's, it's remarkable, Greg. If you're enjoying this episode, maybe check out a previous episode where I spoke to two very good business people, Gladys Berejiklian, our former New South Wales Premier, and Todd Greenberg. We spoke about all things politics, sport, and life. Talk about different eras. Um, I must give a quick shout out to the Mossman Career Club who won, uh, they were second in the club championship this year, and back when we went from Campbelltown to Mossman 1995, I think, 1896, around that time. We're about to get kicked out of the competition. Um, the current second in the club championship, they won first grade and second grade, so one of the boys. And one of your old teammates, Alan Border, on Alan Border over, he was down drinking out of the demandables down there because they're building a new grandstand. And weren't they great scenes to see, AT? Oh, it was amazing to win first and second grade. Yep. And um, I'm not sure if people know, but last time Mossman won first grade, Stan McCabe was captain. Yeah, I know. Uh, 1938-39. So, you know, to win first grade and second grade, I think only the 10th time that's happened, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so, 
you know, it was so good to see those scenes at Allen Border Oval. Do you have a, a, a moment in your cricketing career that stands out personally? Um, <laughs> Yeah, Hattrick. I'm, Hattrick. I'm, not, I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure, Shane, if, if that's a leading question or <laughs> leading somewhere else. But no, I, I, look, I, I was really proud of the cricket I played, yeah. actually, funnily yeah. enough, early on. You know, represented ACT, came to Sydney, played some first grade, and that, that, was, that was fantastic. And then when I, I lived in Hong Kong for three years, and probably my lowest cricketing moment was I got selected to play for Hong Kong in the international sixes, which in the time was a, yeah. it was a big deal for me. You know, every every team would come from around the world and I'm there playing for Hong Kong and, um, you know, <laughs> uh, I got to play Australia. So yes. there I am. I always wanted to play for Australia, but, you know, second best was play against Australia. There you go. So then I, I, I roll out to <laughs> Hong Kong and, I'm you know, I was going to really take them apart. Uh, Ian Harvey was bowling and, and Darren Lemon was the wicketkeeper and I, I sneaked one first ball. And I did not want to move. I couldn't believe I was at first ball against Australia and Buff Lehman let me know where the dressing shed was. I can't believe you caught it. <laughs> no, so that, those things, I mean, I, I felt I had some really good experiences of cricket and, and, some, and some funny lower ones and the hat-trick you mentioned was one of those. But yes, I was there. I saw it. You, you tell that story better than I well, did, Shane. Well, it was GD, if you... Um, <laughs> we, we, we won first grade. We were playing away from Allen Border Rovers. We came back to watch... Um, the second grade boys play and have a few beers and watch them. And then as we walked in, we heard a bit of a cheer, about 15 people around the ground. And Yachty take his second wicket and someone said, Yachty's on a hat-trick. And I always saw it. It was just after Warney got that famous hat-trick in Melbourne. And, and I thought, what would Yachty do being a, a sort of medium-fast bowler? Will, will he bowl the outswing? Will he bowl it full and straight? What will he do? And being the astute CEO that he is now today, he decided to bowl a full one down leg side and the guy clipped it and the wicketkeeper caught it. <laughs> and the, 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 the wicketkeeper was almost horizontal to <laughs> the ground when he was that far down leg side. But I do thank you for calling me fast medium. Or was it that's medium right. fast? Well, I, yeah. I, I never know which one's faster, actually. Anyway, that's a funny one. Um, Jenny, what, what are the highlights of your cricket career, mate? Anything stand out for you personally? Um, I had a, 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 I was very lucky. I, I played in a lot of winning teams, three um, Sheffield Shields and the, the World Cup and so forth. So it's hard to go back past that World Cup win, obviously. Um, it, was a, it was a massive um, thing for Australian cricket, a massive thing for me personally. Um, and, um, you know, my favourite recollection of that game was um, the reverse sweep by Mike Ganning, um, which was probably the most um, important catch I took, but the easiest, um, you know, because it lollied up to me. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think those are my main memories. But uh, frankly, the thing I miss about the game is the blokes and the the the, the, in, the, the, the change rooms and, and the celebrations after and you know you don't miss the 40 degree days um, but I tell you what long, that, long that first beer you have after a long day in the field it's one of the greatest tasting yep. things you have in your life I reckon yeah it's funny about cricket in that era though I mean I can picture in my mind's eye that um, getting reverse sweep but now you know you can watch every ball from Pakistan but Back then, the coverage you didn't get to see as much in Australia at all, and so it's quite grainy footage of that moment. But um, was, was, you know. that been one of the first ever reverse sweeps? So there'd been a little bit of it in English cricket. Right. He was he was really given a hard time back home right. for, for playing yeah. it at that point. Uh, so it was very very rare, um, and nobody in Australian cricket was playing reverse sweeps at that point. That's for sure. Just on Australian cricket, it's been a bit of a tough period for for Aussies and and sports lovers. Um, we lost great. Rodney William Marsh and, and, and Warney. How have you reflected on that? Get tested. Yeah. Get tested. Yep. Dean Jones last year, right? Yep. Um, so there's three guys that we've lost far too early. Yep. Uh, and and a heart attack, heart attack death is avoidable. Yeah. They're avoidable deaths, right? Yeah. So we've, we've lost decades of those guys. So, um, you know, get tested, kids. Yep. I'm going to get one next week, actually. 
Yeah. It's yeah. amazing to think. It's still hard to comprehend that Warney's not with us, isn't it? Yeah, my, it was funny. Brett, Brett said it was really um, it was a, quite a profound comment from my dad, Bob Lee. And Brett told Dad, and Dad said, Warney's dead. Warney, Warney can't die. Like, it was really... It was bizarre, isn't it? Like 52. Look, he lived a good 52 years. We'll give him that. But um, it's way too young. Yeah, the brightest flames sometimes. Yeah, they do, don't they? You know? Yeah. Yeah, really sad time. You know, you know both of those, um, uh, you know, farewells, uh, celebrations were perfect for the for the, for the types of person, yeah. you know? Um, uh, Marshy's was a really lovely day. Um, and, and Warney's was all Hollywood and... And uh, but quite an emotional event. Never twain shall meet those two. Yeah. But um, yep. now I'll talk about um, sort of celebrations and coming to an end, Yatey, because you and I decided. You grew up in Canberra. I grew up on the south coast. We weren't boat people, um, and we decided uh, upon my retirement, and I think you were retiring too. So twenty years of giving up our summer weekends, we decided to go and buy a boat. <laughs> and you and I walked down with our, uh, I won't say, uh, mass uh, uh, wisdom. We walked, looked at. Off Marina, and we looked at two or three boats and we bought a Mustang. 28 foot Mustang. 28 foot Mustang, yeah. It cost a lot of money, and we bought that. And we uh, we went out to the harbour, mm-hmm. and I think we did a ceremonial dumping of my career kit. <laughs> so there's a nice little reef just somewhere, Kookaburra career kit down in a nice little reef for fishermen there. But the first day we drove into uh, Mossman Harbour, mm. you were driving, and just after I think I spilled, we got some nice prawns and some white wine. and I dropped some seafood sauce onto the nice blue carpet, and you had the shits with me, being a yeah former audit partner. And yeah, yep. yeah, you weren't happy with that. And then ten minutes later, you ran the thing fucking aground. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fair to say those three years we owned that boat, there was it was more lows than highs. And when we sold it, the rest of the mariners on the harbour were very happy with that. But I, as I think about that, it actually. I think it really, if people don't know you or I who listen to this, it really said a lot about the two of our characters. So a couple of things that stand out to me. When we got the boat, you get a free voucher to go to Whitworth to buy some yes. some stuff. And you wanted to buy all the fancy things. And I bought this EPIRB that if we'd been halfway to New Zealand, people could have found us. But we never actually left the harbour. So no, we didn't. safety was for me. We never left the mooring. <laughs> And you also got a, you got a voucher for a free um, you know seminar. Yes, and it was and I and so I took that up, being the yes. sort of safety conscious guy I was. And it was held on the first floor <laughs> of a building down near the Spit Bridge. And just as the instructor was getting to uh, the rules about how to find your way through a marina, don't go over four knots. Yeah, he goes, look at that idiot out there. <laughs> And I turn around, and there you are, humming out of the marina in our boat at about twenty knots. Um, it's very true. So it really said a lot about our respective characters. It did. I tell you what, it also says a lot about that seminar because not long after that, <laughs> 2003, we, uh, it's a Rugby World Cup day and Andrew said, I've got a couple of my English mates coming over. We'll go on the boat and we'll, we'll, we'll putt around to Circular Quay and we'll, we'll moor the boat and we'll have a nice lunch. And Yacy, of course, he's done the seminar and he's done all, all the different how to park the boat. Well, we were coming in to park the boat and I'm fully dressed. I'm in my jeans on. I have my phone in my pocket, my wallet. And I'm on the back holding these little fenders as Yatesy's trying to reverse slowly in to park to go to lunch. And you panicked, took off, and I got thrown off the back of the boat into the drink. Into the drink. Yeah. And then you hit a boat on the way out. So that seminar wasn't that good, mate. <laughs> no, that, yeah, the seminar wasn't that good. But as I said, I could see Mike Gatting's um, reverse sweep in my mind's eye. <laughs> I can also see that moment so clearly in my mind's eye. So as I was re- reversing into more. 
and I, I thought, I'll just take this easy, take this easy, and the wind got the front of it, and I thought, okay, what I'll do, I'll just nudge the throttle forward just to straighten it up. <laughs> the nudge was a bit too much, and I, I'll never forget turning round, and I didn't know you'd put one foot on the marina. I did. And it was like you were warming up to bowl. The, the windmill was going <laughs> round like this. Legs stress. I, I was, <laughs> and I floored it out into the middle of Cockle Bay, it was, yep. or Darling Harbour, and you hit the drink. And someone on board just said, no one said a word. <laughs> um, and then I think you heard from the distance that someone's going to come and grab me. <laughs> but the, the postscript of that was we actually ended up getting out of the water, which yeah. wasn't easy. Went to a, went to a bar, and about an hour later, all the salt water had yeah. started to dry on you, and you couldn't move. You had to. Well, you, <laughs> you you, I think you said, yeah, "Don't, no, no, I can tell you that wet." And I walked in, I was like, <laughs> squelching, yeah, and also I said, "I'm out of here, boys." So yeah. I think it was not long after that we sold that. Boat yes, and, but um, um, that was. Well, I'm glad well, we also say the, the the best days, two days, uh, yeah, the, say. the day you buy it and the day you sell it. I'm just glad that Jason and I can actually now talk about that. <laughs> it right? took us ten years <laughs> before we could address that. What a what a shame there weren't photo camera, you know, yes. phone cameras uh, of that moment. Would have been good. But it's still, I, I still don't know how you can possibly do a 40-question, multiple-choice test to get your licence, and the next day you're going under the Harbour Bridge next to a well, super Well, it was 35 questions, by 35 the way. Was yes, it? It was, I got mate. one wrong, didn't I? You did, you got one wrong, yes. <laughs> how to park, I reckon it was, yes. Now, JD, um, I want to ask, quickly ask you a um, uh, question I'll ask every guest on the show. Um, if there was a young um, girl or boy who wanted to go into a career in sport, what advice would you give them? Uh, go for it. Try hard. Oh, uh, do your very best. Work uh, work as hard as you possibly can, but have Plan B along the way as well. Okay, gotcha. Um, make sure you, you you're thinking about what might happen if it doesn't turn out the way you you want it to. Uh, but follow your dream. Chase it. Nice, nice advice. And Yati, a young boy or girl wants to go into a career in um, the finance world. What advice, what advice would you give them? Uh, two, I, I think it's a career in anything, to be honest. The two words I talk about a lot are energy and aspiration. Okay. And, you know, I think you've got to bring energy to whatever you do. And aspiration is ambition. You know, you've got to have ambition. Have ambition for yourself, for the, the business or the team you're in, uh, ambition for the country. That, they're the two things, energy and aspiration for me. It's good. I want to finish on one story because I just thought of it then, but... Um, you don't know this, JD, uh, uh, I should say, um, that um, we actually introduced, Lorraine and I, my wife, we introduced Yachty to his wife, Rita. True. We set him up on a blind date. Mm. And uh, I mentioned to Yachty because we'd be... Where's go- going? No, 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 that, that, that's a really good story. It's probably got, you got two lovely kids out of it. But um, at the time I said to Yachty that, you know, um, Rita really likes you and he couldn't believe it because, you know, Rita's a bit younger and she's a good-looking girl and that's what's us. So we set him on a blind date and Yachty goes, please, Shane, you're not, you're not winding me up. And we both planned that. I said to Yatesy, at the end of dinner, Lorraine, I'll pretend we're going somewhere else for, for another function and you asked Rita out. And he did that, but she didn't actually hear the question right. And he said, Rita, should we go for a drink? And she said, no, my parents are coming over. I've got to go home and vacuum. And then Yatesy put me aside and said, you, Lee, this is the lowest you've ever got, mate. I said, no, she didn't hear you right. Ask, <laughs> ask her again. And she Thank goodness she heard you correctly and they went out and that ran the rest of history. That was a very low point where she said, no, I, I, I've got to go home and vacuum. Um, but as you say, I, yeah. I, I, I never forget that. I mean, we've yeah. been married 18 years now um, with two kids. So that's it was right. a great introduction. So, and I think a bit of a recruitment theme to this yes, uh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> Without yeah. you two, my life would be quite different. Well, very yeah, much so. Right. And there's, there's a lesson, boys and girls, if you were to be an Australian cricketer or, or, or an accountant, they say you want to go home and vacuum if you're an accountant. <laughs> 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 but I want, look, guys, I want to thank you both for coming um, on Lunch with Lee. Yatesy, mate, you're, you're still one of my great mates. We've been mates for years, and um, congratulations on all the good work you're doing at KPMG. Thanks, Shane. They're very lucky to have you, mate, and you were a great 
teammate as well. Thank you. Back to Campbelltown uh, in Mossman. And GD, I've known you for years, mate. You're, you're a legend of a bloke. Um, you've done some fantastic work um, with the Australian Cricket Association, also with New South Wales and captain. I know many cricketers um, that come before me really look up to you as a rural leader, and you're doing a great job too at, at the fish market as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's been good fun. Great, great to be Fantastic. here. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks so much, boys. That's it for lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Greg Dyer and Andrew Yates. Thanks to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer. And thanks to the Harbourview Hotel for a fantastic lunch, Doors Point, Sydney, for a very, very tasty afternoon. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, please leave a review. Come check us out on Instagram at I'm at Lunch with Lee. Our official Lunch with Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And a big thank you once again to our fantastic producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back same time next week to talk about more about sport, music and business on another episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. <laughs>